What's up? What's up? How are we doing? It's another fresh year, new semester. I'm excited. Are you guys excited? Yes, come on. Well, I want to welcome everyone. Happy New Year's, friends and guests. My name is Josh Ortega. I'm a pastor here at H2O Church, Wright State University. We're a network of churches on public universities to see this generation changed, encounter Jesus' love and changed in such a way that we're going to see revival. Hallelujah. We're stoked, you guys. I'm stoked. We want you to know that you're loved and that we're excited that you're here today. So please stop by our connect table outside if you're new. We have a little gift for you from us, and we would love to get to know you. Also, I want to welcome back all of our H2 Ohana, back from winter break. And uh, I don't know about you, but I really feel like our whole church is expectant for God to move as we kick off this spring semester. Hallelujah. Well, we pray God did something special with you over winter break, that you had a chance to share what he's been doing in your life with a loved one or friend, and that every time you've seen a gift over December, that you were reminded of the greatest gift we will ever know, and that is God giving his only begotten son to us. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and reign today is a gift that does not stop giving, does it? This is something we celebrate all year long, not just once a year, but I, really in a season of giving, I can't stop thinking about what he gave. Hallelujah. Let's pray as we kick this off again. We need, we need God. Come on. So God, we thank you so much for all of our first-time guests. We thank you for our church family. We thank you, God. We're thankful to be a church that has the opportunity to gather here on campus today to worship you, to be encouraged and strengthened together as one in and with you. God, we ask that you would pour out your love on us, that you would guide us with your truth, and that you would empower us, Holy Spirit, to do what you've called us to do. We ask that for H2O, AIA, IFI, Crew, Chi Alpha, Christians on Campus, Rock Campus Fellowship, CMC, Ratio Christi, and all the Bible studies that will be taking place on this campus this semester. God, we ask that for all of our co-church, our co-church plant and all of our new church plants in H2O throughout Ohio and New York. God, we pray that for all of our H2O churches and our partner churches in the surrounding area here in Dayton, Ohio, and throughout the world that you would use us to bring revival and see your kingdom come, your dream come true. God, we pray that we're moved today to a greater understanding of your love for us and that, our, that we need you. God, we pray that you give us a, that, a vision that we can be faithful to, to be intentional with, to continue to stay broken over, to seek you, obey you, and walk in your grace and mercy to be our strength as we're sent out each day to represent your love. And finally, God, we just want to lift up our persecuted brothers and sisters that are gathering all over the world, comfort and strengthen them today as they live out the gospel because you are worthy. We praise you, God. Thank you for today. In Jesus' mighty name, all of God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Well, we're going to be jumping in, back into the book of Acts this semester. Next week, we're going to be picking up where we left off, and we're going to be jumping into Acts 15 in house church next week. So read chapter 15, Acts chapter 15, and gear up for next Sunday to share what God's been laying on your heart. It's going to be lit. But for today, I want to go back to this verse that Paul shares in Acts chapter 13. 
that I mentioned briefly last Ohana service when he quotes Isaiah 49, verse 6. And again, Isaiah 49, verse 6 says this, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the furthest corners of the earth. Let me read that one more time. I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the furthest corners of the earth. So we talked about this a little bit again last Ohana service about embracing this as a vision for our own lives. That this passage can become a vision that will unfold for us as we trek through the rest of Acts the rest of this semester. And today I feel like God wants to continue to expand and deepen this identity piece for us. He really wants us to get this. I couldn't get this off my heart. I kept praying all over break. I kept going back to this passage and, and oh man, God's just moving through it. And I really feel like when we sink our teeth into it and taste how good it is, we're going to find something that satisfies a longing in us that we've been looking for for a while. So I hope you came prepared today. I hope you came prepared saying, Jesus, more of you and less of me. Look to your neighbor and say, are you ready? All right, all right, let's get ready. Let's take, get our pens, pencils. It's going to be a great day. Everyone has New Year's resolutions to a degree. Where the New Year starts and it's like, I want a fresh start. I want to do something. I want to change something. Wanting to see the new year become a time of change as we reflect on the past. And today I'm going to invite you or challenge you, perspective is everything, to cross a line today that will mark your life forever. Today, it's time to change history as you step out of the way and make his story made known. Yeah, I did that history, his story. We actually have a bracelet out there that says that if you want to rock that, it's good. But we're going to dive into what this looks like to step out of the way and make his story known. I know that something deep down inside each one of you there's something deep down that you can't quite put your finger on, but it's there, that you know that there's more. There's something inside of you that says there's purpose. I have a purpose for today. And if you don't do something about it, are you afraid that you're going to become calloused and look like a lot of other people today in church who complains about the times instead of being marked to change the times? I want to remind you that you are marked. You are called by name, and you are set apart for such a day, for such a time, for such a purpose, for such a people. And I'm going to share with you not something new today, but something you should know. It's your family heritage in Christ Jesus. It is God's heart for the world. And we're not starting with John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that who should ever, begotten son, that who should ever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's not where we're going to start today. We're going to start with the whole Bible, the narrative of the Bible, and how it will show you that there is missions, the heart of missions summarizes the whole Bible. It's God's heart. It's the biblical narrative from Genesis to Revelations. 
You can find this resource. I'm not preaching something new. Like I said, you could find resources all online to work on sharing this specific message that at the heart of God is missions that you can prepare to preach, teach for the future. I believe each one of you in your own right will be teaching something in the future, whether it's to your spouse, to your children, but hopefully to a small group of people saying we are called to so much more. And you could prepare by finding a passage like this. Today, I'm using something from uh, a resource from, called the Traveling Team. You could look it up online. It was a very simple way that you could expand, build on, or take away. But I want you to know it's a simple, powerful message that can change the future. Today, you're going to see that it's not my idea, it's not a missionary's great idea, or even your idea, missions. It is God's idea. And all 66 books can be reduced to one theme, one common story. It's God's story. God's story has an introduction, Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 11, a plot, Genesis chapter 12, all the way through the epistle Jude, and then a conclusion, Revelation. No other literature written is so seamless throughout history to declare a seamless narrative of one heart. So many stories, so many authors, so many books, so many people in a line with one heart. That's a miracle in itself. Hallelujah. We're going to start where the gospel begins today. We're going to go to Genesis and God just finished making everything. It was a dream come true. He loves us so much. If, if you don't know anything about how much God loves you, start off in Genesis when every day he's saying, it's good, it's good, it's good. Like when God is saying, it's good, it's really good. You know what I'm saying? He was so excited to create this amazing, beautiful, creative earth and then create two human beings that would have a relationship with him and get to explore their families and generations, get to explore the joys and wonder of all of his creation. It was beautiful. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says, God blessed them. Man, he did bless them. Hallelujah. And then he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Here's where the introduction is. Be fruitful and multiply. Now, why wouldn't God just say, fill the garden, and the garden of Eden, populate that? Be fruitful and multiply the garden of Eden, not the whole earth. Why wouldn't he say that? It's good to ask questions when you're seeking God. Not from a critical heart, but from an, a heart to want to understand. God, why'd you say this? Well, God knew that Adam and Eve would produce physical offspring, but also produce spiritual offspring. You see, we're both physical and spiritual beings. They would create children that would multiply and fill the earth. And can you picture this? A planet covered with worshipers of God, people who have an intimate relationship with God, saying, God, this is so awesome. You're amazing. Praise you. I can't help but break out in song. Hallelujah. Walk with me today through this waterfall or walk with me down this road today or walk with me through the fall or through the winter or through the spring or summer. God, praise you. This is his heart and dream is to see the earth filled 
with spiritual sons and daughters. But we know in Genesis 3 that sin crept in, and by chapter 8, the world was not looking good. So God mercifully, and I say that very specifically, mercifully floods the earth so humanity would have a fighting chance. And he gives Noah command just after he steps off the ark. Listen to this, Genesis 9.1. Then God blessed Noah and his son, saying to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Starting to have a tone here, right? We're starting to pick up some momentum. Basically, he's saying, hey, Noah, just don't populate a city. Just don't build a city, but fill the earth. It's there again. The command to multiply. So we come to chapter 11. There should be one simple question on all our minds as we read forward. Does God get what he asks for? God is looking for simple obedience to see the earth filled. Well, let's read Genesis 11, 1 through 4. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Look it. Let us rebel against God. Let us not be scattered and fill up the whole earth. Let's build ourselves a city, make a name for ourselves, and build upward, elevate ourselves. Can you hear the talk of the town? I can. You know, we all look the same, we act the same, we dress the same, we eat the same, we dress the same. Let's just get comfortable and stay right here and make a name for ourselves. Do we really want to be scattered? This doesn't exactly sound like they're about obeying God's command. And because man's urge to settle, God was forced to step in and scatter, filling the earth just as he desired. Genesis 11, 7, 8 says this. It's God speaking. He says, come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them there from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. So we end this introduction, and we see that God has a complicated situation to deal with now. Sin has just grown and multiplied. Man has become more rebellious to the point he doesn't want to move forward. He just wants to stay put and build up a name for themselves. But God steps in, scatters them, and now there's one extra complicated situation. They're all speaking different languages. So how is God going to reach all these people scattered all over the earth, speaking all these different languages? What will he do? Who will he use? And now the plot begins. Genesis 12 through the epistle Jude is the plot. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, we see the Lord talking to a man named Abram. And he says, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will bless you, and here it is, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. God's not stopping. Hey, Abram, 
Leave your country, your people, your family, your life, your dreams, your ambitions, your future, as well as all that you know and are familiar with, and go to a place that I'll show you. You don't know where it's at, but I'll show you where it's at. And here's the funny thing. You keep reading, and something really, really weird happens. Genesis 12, 4, we see that Abraham, Abram at the time, left. He actually left as the Lord told him. This is really weird because up to the point, this hasn't really happened yet. People weren't obeying God. A man obeys him. This is a weird concept then, and it's still a weird concept today. Abram is left is off to establish a nation that will bless all peoples. Say, bless all peoples. Interestingly, this command was not for Abram alone. Watch, God will continue with succeeding generations to reach all nations. Next in Abraham's line is Isaac. Genesis 26, verse 4, he says, I will make, he's speaking to Isaac, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them all these lands, and through your offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed. And then to Isaac's son, Jacob, we see this when God speaks to Jacob in Genesis 28, 14. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And then we just see this momentum picking up even more. As God fills up the Old Testament using his people, this new nation, Israel, to make his name known and make his name great among the nations. Here's just a few example, examples. The Ten Commandments. You're like, how does the Ten Commandments fit for all the nations? I thought that was just for Israel. No, check this out. Deuteronomy 4, chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. It says, God says, observe them carefully. Observe the Ten Commandments carefully, for this will show your wisdom and your understanding to the nations who will hear about these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. He's saying if you do these things, you're going to capture the attention of nations around you. And it's pretty cool because we see his reputation also spreading already after he set his people free from Egypt in Joshua 2 Verses 9 through 10, Joshua is about to go to Jericho to war with them, and they had this giant city wall, if you haven't read about it. This wall was a fortified city. It was so big, people actually lived in the wall. And so this, there was a couple spies checking out the, the nation, checking out what was up, and uh, a couple of the spies had to hide, and a woman who heard of God and wanted to put her trust in God hid those spies. Her name was Rahab. And so she says this to the spies. She says, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that great fear of you has fallen on us. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. You see, the nations were already catching word. Who is this God that they serve? To the degree, degree that she, said, she ends up saying, please, have God spare me when the wall comes or when the, when the battle comes. And I don't know, again, if you read the story, 
Joshua start, leads out. He has the worship warriors lead out first, and for days they're marching around this wall, not bows and arrows, not swords drawn. They're actually praising God, worshiping God, looking a little foolish to these, this city. They're like, what? I thought these guys were coming to conquer us. The last day of blowing the horns to God, the defender of them, the God who's judge, God who's rulers, God who's sovereign, God who's faithful, the last day the walls just fall down. There's only one place standing, Rahab's apartment. She survives, and she becomes written into the story, his story, the rest of this narrative. So good. You should check out where she falls in alignment with this story. Come on, God's name is being great, made great among the nations. We see this later on. We're going to jump over to Solomon and his wisdom. 1 Kings 4.34 says, Men of all nations, all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard his wisdom. I mean, all the way down to the Horn of Africa, South Africa. That's a long way from Israel to South Africa, where the Queen of Sheba it's not just recorded in the Bible, but in Queen of Sheba's own manuscripts of going up to hear the wisdom of Solomon. People from all over the world heard this. God is being known, made known great throughout the nations. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. We see in Daniel chapter 3, here they are in captivity. These three young men refused to bow. There's this situation that goes on. And the king of really the known world in that area, Babylon had reached this incredible stature, conquered many countries, all this stuff. Nebuchadnezzar's on a high horse right now. He throws these three young men into the fire because he's so upset. He actually has the furnace turned way up. It burns up his soldiers as, it, as they throw the three young men in there. And the, the king could not believe it. He said, how many people did we throw in there? Three. I see four people. What is going on? And he hollers to them to come out of the fire. They came out, no smoke, no singe, looking perfect. And this is what the king of Babylon said at that time. He said, therefore, I, Nebuchadnezzar, decreed that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego be cut into pieces, for no other God can save in this way. Daniel in the lion's den, we jump over to another great ruler and king of the time, King Darius, again, known Babylonian ruler, all the stuff, and he says this, he says, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. See, God's capturing the, tent, the attention of Gentiles. We see this in so many books throughout the, the, the Old Testament. It's awesome. In fact, if you look at, uh, I'm going to put up a snapshot of a, a bunch of other very specific passages. You could take pictures of this, but you could continue to biblically explore where people were, of other nations were turning their attention to God. This is just a couple of them. But we're, for, time, for time's sake, we're going to transition into the New Testament, where we see the plot thicken. The Christ, the Messiah, prophesied 
prophesied to such a degree that by the time Jesus was two years old, these three wise men from another country were coming to visit to see this prophesied Messiah. Other countries had already been looking for this, right? And we see Jesus, God in flesh, enters the scene. And what do we see him doing in his pattern of ministry, his life? Nothing different than what God did in the Old Testament. Whether it's taking a longer route, going out of his way to reach a Samaritan woman at a well and tell her the good news. He was the, she was the first one that he revealed, I am he, the Messiah. Or healing various Gentiles to teach his followers what faith looked like. Do you know the only two times Jesus commented on a faith that impressed them were by Gentiles? See, God is trying to wake up his people while he's also reaching the nations. Christ in the New Testament maintained the pattern that was established in the Old Testament. Here's a few more examples. Look, when he gets a righteous anger in this moment where he clears out this temple, he gets heated, you guys. Israel didn't get it. They kept not getting it. Their heart was not in alignment with God's heart. And so he gets this righteous anger in Mark 11, and it says, On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area designated for Gentiles to worship. But he found them buying and selling there. As he drove them out, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? We picking this up. Can you feel your identity? Is God speaking to you? Who are you? What were you made for? Come on. He was upset that they just built up a, a, a little market in a place that was meant and designated for people to be worshiping him for, from all nations. They forgot and ignored that identity piece. Jesus goes on to say this about his ministry and calling when he's in this space and they want to make him king. And they're like, don't go. We're going to establish you as king of Israel right now. And in Luke 4, 42 through 43, he says, he tried to keep him, or they tried to keep him from leaving them, but he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns because that's why I was sent. It wasn't time to build and populate a city. It's still time to go. Then he teaches his disciples a sign of his return in Matthew 24, 14. He says, in this gospel of the kingdom, his kingdom, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I don't know about you, but I'm broken over the injustices I see today. There are so many things. I'm like, God, I know you're fully present for everything. How do you endure? My heart is broken over these things. And God is saying here, you want this to end? Make a commitment to see this gospel, this good news of the kingdom, reach all the nations. He gives this mandate to his followers in multiple places. Mark 16, 15 says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. It's not just for yourself, you guys. 
We shared this with our leaders just this last week. Your relationship with God is very personal, but it is not private. And now in the book of Acts, where we're camping out, we see the account of the gospel spreading to the ends of the earth from faithful, obedient men and women following Jesus. Not perfect, but willing. And it begins with Jesus echoing what he taught the disciples for three years in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the... It the ends of where? Earth. As the persecution begins, so does the scattering in Acts chapter 8. And the Lord adds great numbers to the missionary force. We see conviction and zeal fall upon an individual to carry out Jesus' great commission. His name was Saul. After encountering Jesus, it was changed to Paul. And in Acts 9.15, God says this about Paul to Paul. Go, go, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles. You see, there was this, read Acts. If you haven't caught up with us yet, please get through it. There's all this stuff like, can I eat what they eat? Can I be touched, you know, cleanliness, all this stuff. How do we go reach the Gentiles? And God is just breaking all this down. And now he's sending somebody to the Gentiles. And this, my brothers and sisters, was the beginning of us knowing Jesus. Like a missionary finally sent to the Gentiles who took the heart of God and said, God wants all nations to know him. And it was not easy for Paul. Mercy. And it's still not easy today, you guys. The rest of the book of Acts and the epistles give detailed description of Paul and the rest of the missionary band struggling to raise up churches all over the world. You can see key passages about this in these extra resources. You can take a picture again for, the time, for time's sake. Look at these specific points of expanding the kingdom of God with the good news, the call. But in this narrative, God gives us the conclusion. This is exciting. He gives us the future. He says, I don't want you to focus on it. I want you to live today because it won't happen by sitting on your couch, eating bonbons and playing video games, Right? He wants you to go, but he does say this is what it's going to look like. So we have the introduction in Genesis chapter 1 through 11, the plot in Genesis chapter 12 through Jude, and now the conclusion, and we see it wrapped up here in Revelations chapter 7 verse 9. This is John, the revelator. He was taken up to heaven for a vision, and God had shown him this. He said, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. Come on. This is God's dream being fulfilled. His will being done. It is important to connect what's happening in Revelation with what God started in Genesis 12 with the life of Abraham. God will do it. 
There will be a representative from every nation, tribe, people, and language bowing and worshiping at his feet. Heaven is multicultural. God is a missionary God, and from cover to cover, he will show us his mission. I have a personal question to ask you guys. If you're willing to be bold, how many of you gave your life to the Lord because someone outside of your Sunday morning experience shared the good news with you and walked you through the gospel? Raise your hand. Keep your hands raised just for a minute. How many of you guys have been spiritually poured into by someone outside of Sunday morning, your Sunday morning experience to be discipled? Raise your hand. Look around you, you guys. Someone was on mission to reach you. Who are you on mission to reach? God did not give his church a mission. It is clear that he gave his mission the church, you and me. Will you join him in bringing a representative from every group to his throne? It will happen. History shows that his story will be the last. It is what is last. He's the author and finisher of life. He stands outside of time. The question, the only question that I will ask you today is will you be a part of it? I hate to say it, but something has been lost for us today. Something's been lost in our spiritual introduction to the cross and the gospel, the good news, and following Jesus. I read about imperfect men and women throughout the Bible and history walk out their commitment to following Jesus with great conviction. I just read about a, a, a gentleman who got saved at a dinner table with his family, and he got up and immediately went out to start sharing the gospel with neighbors. He came back to his house, and his voice was so exhausted from sharing. He's like, I've been, I've been wiped out from being drunk I've been wiped out from going out and doing hard work. I've never been wiped out from sharing something for so long. There's another guy I love out there. You guys may know him, Spurgeon, awesome theologian. There's a moment where, see, he had a commitment. I will share the good news of Jesus with somebody every day. He got up to his room. He's going to bed, and he's like, oh, snap. I didn't share Jesus with somebody. He put his clothes back on went outside, walked the streets, took a walk until he found someone to pray with and share the good news with. But see, we live in a time where there's this term greasy grace. You see, we're declaring that we're children of God, but in a routine of ignoring simple obedience. Oh God, I'll get to sharing you a tomorrow. And that turn, tomorrow turns into another tomorrow. And that tomorrow turns into another tomorrow because we're so busy with building our dreams. We don't look at Abraham and everything he left to follow Jesus. And that's what I'm asking you to think about today. Will you be a missionary to this campus? Will you be a missionary to the nations? Will you be a missionary to your neighbors, your family? Some of you guys have a head start. You're already here from another country. So there's a lot of Westerners that need to hear the good news, the gospel, and how you guys walk that out. But we can't think it's okay if I focus on my dreams and not God's. I'm asking you to cross this line today and say no more. 
It no longer has to be my way. It no longer has to be easy and comfortable. It no longer needs to be something where I get the recognition to feel valued. No longer will I give up until I see what God has laid on my heart come to pass. I won't give up. I put this in this little saying. When you guys graduate from Wright State and we give you these little gift bags, I put a card in there. And this card has a quote, a little story called Sacrifice by Howard Guinness. And he wrote this in 1947. And I just really feel an urgency to share it with the whole church today. And he says this. He says, where are the young men and women of this generation who will hold their lives cheap and be faithful even unto death? Where are those who will lose their lives for Christ's sake, flinging them away for the love of him? Where are those who will live dangerously and be reckless in his service? Where are his lovers, those who love him and the souls of men more than their own reputations or comfort or very life? Where are the men and women who will say no to self, who take up Christ's cross to bear it after him, who are willing to be nailed to it in a college or office, home or mission field, who are willing, if need need be, to bleed, to suffer, and to die on it? Where are the adventurers? Where are the explorers, the buccaneers for God, who count one human soul of far greater value than the rise and fall of an empire? Where are the men and women who are willing to pay the price of vision? Where are the men and women of prayer? Where are God's sons and daughters this day walking in his power? I believe this generation will answer that call of where they are. It is you. You've seen where every other path will lead. Where does the successful path take you? Where does the comfortable life path take you? Where does the quiet, nominal Christian path take you, sitting in a seat for a long time? Where does your selfishness take you? Where do your own thoughts and path, how far have they gotten you? Come on. He is inviting you or challenging you, depending on where your heart is today. As the band comes up, I want to ask that if you're here today and you've heard the love of God, the miraculous historical narrative of God and his love to reach you, what's holding you back from saying yes to Jesus today? Do you want peace? Do you want to go to heaven and spend eternity in a relationship, one that you were made for with the one who loved you first? Take the courageous step to start that relationship today. Trust God with your life. If you're tired of trying to make it work, work out, knowing that it won't get any better than what you've seen around you, what's that old saying? I don't know. It's like those who keep on doing something that you know, it's like going around a bush and it just won't get anywhere. What's that definition? Insanity. Over and over Yeah, and getting the exact same result. How many generations are you going to get the same result? 
Don't you want to see change for you, for your family, for your future? This is where it starts today. If you see your need for God and God's love for you today, I want you to say yes to God in your heart right now. Right now. And boldly come up to one of us afterwards and say, I trusted Jesus with my life today. We want to celebrate with you. We want to come alongside you, walk with you through some next steps on how to grow in that relationship. Please join me after, afterwards. Share this with me. I want, to, I want to come alongside you. For the rest of our community, you have some things to pray about today and put into action. But you're not alone. Don't feel like you're the only one today. <laughs> this message spoke to me. I am changing things. I'm tired of feeling conviction but not putting foot to boot, right? So a great place to start if you feel like you need a fresh start today is repent. Repent of not stepping out of your, repent of stepping, not stepping up to your commitment to follow God in a way you know he's calling you to. Repent of that. Repent of saying what you, you want is more important than what God wants. Today, brothers and sisters, we're taking communion. We have communion in the back. And Jesus said, as often as you do this, remember me. Remember how he came from his place of comfort, his throne to us, and lived the life of a servant, a slave. Remember how he was bold to share the good news. Remember how he went out of the way to make his known love, which was unlike anything the world had ever known, and changed lives, including yours and mine. Remember how he looked different from the rest of the world. Remember how he loved and forgave even those who persecuted him. Remember how he loved all the way to the cross just to have a relationship, to redeem us, to have a relationship with him. Remember that he rose from the dead to be with you in that relationship. Remember that God is faithful from generation to generation. And I invite you over the course of these next worship songs to remember and partake in a simple act of breaking bread, which represents his body being broken for us. And then drinking that juice and saying, this is the blood that you shed to restore that which was lost. Our sin separated us, and now his gift to us has redeemed and restored us. There is no time like the present to repent. No time like the present. Joyful repentance, saying, God, I surrender. I make you Lord of my life, no matter what's going on. I'm not the point. I matter, but I'm not the point. Use me as a missionary to see your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as is heaven. Amen? Cool. All right, we're going to do a little declaration before we enter this worship. Everybody repeat after me. We love this. Come on, say it like you mean it. God, God you have made me, have made me a, light a light to those around me, to bring salvation, to bring salvation to the furthest corners of the earth. I commit to pray, to study, to listen, and obey, to be like one who is training 
and running the race to win. I have my goal. Let me run this race called life through your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, you guys are a light. You guys remember that little kid's song, uh, This Little Light of Mine? Come on, you guys. We're just kids at the end of the day. Have fun. Let, sh- let it shine bright and represent.